Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Calvary Life DFW's weekly podcast. We hope that these messages encourage and inspire you in your personal journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. So I was excited. I had this, uh, uh, some outlines done about a week ago, a week and a half ago. And so I started to pull our notes together, messages from Pastor P and Pastor G. And I began to write down something cute. You want to hear it? It says, the growth of a seed depends on the environment. That thought was sobering to me. Like, it begins with a seed. Everything begins with a seed. Every fruit begins with a seed. And it provoked me to consider uh, and be more mindful of the seeds that I plant, and more importantly, of, of of the environment that I plant them in. And so I began to write down thoughts or seeds, right? That's cute, that they grow into attitudes. You've heard that before. Every thought, if you're not careful to, to, that they don't grow, they become attitudes. And then I begin to write down behaviors are seeds that grow into patterns. You've heard that before, strongholds and habits. Um, pretty soon that, that behavior that you're doing, if you're not careful, can become an addiction or a stronghold. And then I thought to myself, I had some ideas for a message, and that was Monday night when I did my outline. But then I went to sleep, and then I woke up Tuesday morning, and I heard the Spirit of the Lord say to me that motives are seeds. Oh, man, why are you messing with me, Lord? I got this, this message. He said motives are seeds that grow into intentions. I said, God, what you saying? Is there something that you want to say to me? I mean, my motives are pure, I guess. But are you talking to me, or do you want me to share that with them? You know, I'm here to tell you that your motives are seeds. Amen. (laughs) And if you're not careful, they will grow into intentions. So I looked up. Uh, the legal definition of the term motive, and it was an idea, a belief, or an emotion that impels a person to act in accordance with that state of mind. Motives are ideas or beliefs or emotions that impel a person to act. And then I went on to look up the, the definition of the word intention, and it says intention to act in a particular manner for a, for a particular reason. What's your aim? Amen? You can do the right things, but your aim be so wrong. I've done wonderful things for people, but my motives were not correct. How many people have done that? I hear that term so much. When people tell me I can't do something, that's the fuel I will show them. Nothing should motivate you but the will of God in your life. Nothing should motivate you but to have a pure heart. And so I began to look at the the secret and the unseen things. and, And this week was kind of hard because I'm like, 
Lord, I was evaluating certain actions that I take in my life and my, my, my relationships and my, my finances and, and my ministry. And every good thing is not God. Every good thing is not God. So I said, Lord, I just want to talk about thoughts being seeds and, 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 and behaviors being seeds. Why do we have to go down this road of a motive? Because Jesus always looked at the heart. He was so gracious. He was on the cross and he said, forgive them for they know not what they do. Jesus judges the motives. He judges our intent, and he knows what's driving you. What's driving you today? Are you trying to stick it to them? Show those people, I can make it. I don't need you anyway. I'm glad you left. Are you operating in the spirit of offense? But it looks good. You're doing wonderful things on the surface, but your motives and your intentions are not pure. And the scripture talks about those that are pure in heart will see God. How many want to see God today, this Palm Sunday? I want to see God. We're not called to be perfect, but we're called to be pure. Amen? And so what does that mean? That means bringing every intention and every motive. Sometimes I was doing something great and I didn't even know my motives. I didn't know my aim. I didn't know that it was a spirit of competition driving me. And so God began to talk about my motives this week. And I said, God, what are you saying? And he's been quiet. I'm sure he's going to get back to me. I'm sure <laughs> he's just leading me down the scripture, you know, waiting for a word. And God says, read the word. I said, oh, no, 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 no. Speak to me. Read the word. Because the living word is what needs to dwell in our lives. Pastor G talked about last week in his message, wonderful message, small beginnings and big endings. And he talked about it is impossible to take your thoughts captive, to take those motives captive, to, to look at your intentions unless God is seated on the throne of your life. It is impossible. That's why we have this disconnect, right? We, we, we want to do right but then we do wrong. Oh, there's mercy for us today. We strive to do right, but then we do wrong. So there's a disconnect sometimes. Paul talks about all the time. This man was great. And he even talks about this thorn because certain things are there on our side. Certain things don't leave right away. And we say, why? Uh, if you were here for the Shine Luncheon, uh, Wendy uh, spoke a good word, and she talked about her pastor who was great, who had a great church, and he, and he prayed for people. He had a spirit of panic disorder and, and anxiety, and he said, I can pray for people, and they're delivered, but Lord, I still struggle every week. So sometimes when we're in those experiences, where we don't know if or when God's going to deliver us. It's hard to have a pure heart. Amen. It's hard to have a pure heart. We can talk about all of this stuff, but when the road, the rubber meets the road, it is hard. And we're going to get to that. But I want to share about great expectations. They had 
great expectations for their Messiah in the holy city in Jerusalem. It was prophesied so many times about this Messiah. And, and oftentimes when we have these expectations, we built these thought patterns in our minds of what the Messiah would be. Have you ever wanted something? Have you ever expected your life to be a certain way? Those are expectations, and it's good because God made us visual, and it's good to think, and it's good to pray, and it's good to be creative and, and, and think about all the possibilities of that expectation. But let's turn to uh, uh, Colossians 3.16. I want to get this. Colossians 3.16. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do, and whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. All you do, in word or deed, motives or intentions, giving thanks to God through the Father by him. So great expectations are God's idea, right? Pray big and expect even greater things to come. But the wrong motives and intentions can make everything harder. Amen? Anybody are going through a hard season? Like you love the Lord, but that brokenness can make everything harder if it's driving you. But trust God with your heart. He won't let you down. Follow Jesus through your difficulty, and his word will not return to him void, to us void, empty. Trust Jesus with your heart today. The living word will not disappoint. Jesus is the living word. He will not disappoint. Because oftentimes when you're going through those difficult experiences, we take our eyes off of him and we look at what they pastor g talked about the spirit of they last week right what they're doing what they're doing and we're not looking at the author and the finisher of our faith and so follow jesus we're talking about palm sunday so let's turn to our main text and it's john 12 12 through 16 and like i said they had great expectations for this messiah what expectations do you have for Jesus? We do have those expectations, whether they're known or whether they're believed beneath the surface. It says in 12, the next day a great multitude that had come to the feast when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him and cried out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Then Jesus, when he had found a young donkey, sat on it, as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. Lastly, his disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written about him and that they had done these things to him. They had expectations for Jesus. What was he going to be? 
How was he going to deliver us? They were under a strong, oppressive hand of the Roman Empire. So they were looking for Jesus. We, everybody had different expectations, but they had great expectations for Jesus. But Jesus has a way of killing those expectations. He's, he, he, I think he was provocative. I think he did things on purpose. He was born in the stable, <laughs> raised by a carpenter. Come on now. He was healing on the Sabbath. And then he chose a donkey to ride in on his week before death. I mean, he really dealt with the motives of the heart. I remember uh, the Last Supper when they were arguing, who's going to be the greatest? Who's going to be the greatest? He didn't say nothing. He didn't say anything. He just got on his knees and began washing their feet. He was dealing with the motives. He didn't need to say anything. And so, like Pastor Pete said, he was humble. And he was not what they expected. How many of you today are like, this is not what I expected. My life is not what I expected. My children, my dreams, my finances, it's just not what I expected. Can anybody relate to that? I mean, if you're really looking in your heart and looking at your motives and intentions. See, that self-awareness is the first step to change, right? It's that awareness. It's like when sometimes you get it on your own, you know, you're just so spiritual and you're just getting this revelation. And sometimes if you're like me, God shines a spotlight on you in the morning and says, motives are intentions. I'm like, God, what's up with that? I, what are you saying? I'm not that bad, right? So I just want to, to just really focus on how do we get through those dark experiences. I think about Jesus and the three years prior to that great triumphant entry into Jerusalem. He had been traveling, performing miracles. Um, he, he was a threat to the rulers of that day, right? And so he knew his time was short. He knew what he was called to do. See, knowing what you're called to do is a protection from offenses. When you know who you are, that's why I love when I work with people who know where they, who they are because they're not easily offended by the small stuff because they have the bigger picture at end. They're like, I'm offended with that. Why do we use this color? Why do we? It's like, really? You, you're 40 years old talking about color. It's chosen. Let's do the big thing, right? But Jesus knew his intentions. Jesus was conscientious, that beautiful picture of him riding on a donkey. I think about prior, he was intentional. He just didn't see a donkey and, and, and climb on it. He, he was intentional. And it said, as they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples prior saying to them, go to the village ahead of you. And at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them. I love this. This is just crazy. Oh, I love it. I just love this scripture. And he will send them right away. He used the donkey to take away any doubts by fulfilling what the prophet said. And I just think about 
what it said in the Old Testament about him riding on a donkey. He cared about what we thought. He is such a good God. He didn't want to leave any stone unturned about who he was, even though he didn't look like a Messiah, you know, even though he didn't act like a, a Messiah, according to Sadducees and Pharisees, but he was the Messiah. And thank God that they couldn't stop his movement. The Messiah does not disappoint. His ministry is huge. Christianity, Christianity is huge. And, and I just think about Jesus and I'm like, he is the greatest. He is the greatest because of his meekness, his power under control, his care for us. He is the greatest. He was the most powerful yet meek and humble person. I think about myself. When I get one win, I'm like, I'm a legend. Amen? This is, I'm an expert, you know? One win, you know? And it's like, let me tell you my ways, okay? Uh, I'll share my insights. Um, but he was God. He was God, and he was so humble, and that increased his power. And, and so great, expectation, great expectations are God's idea. Pray big and expect even greater. But the wrong motives and intentions can make everything harder. So trust God with your heart. His word will not return to him void. His word will not come back empty. Amen? You can bank on Jesus Christ. But let's talk about the dark times. Let's, can we talk about the dark times real quick? We're in church. You know, we want to, want to talk about the, the, the concealer, the, the beauty, the, the, the wins, the victories. But let's talk about the dark times because we all have them. And those dark times, if they're not handled correctly, those dark times can ruin our hearts. So we have to make sure that we're looking at God in those dark times and, and looking to him who is the answer. So for the women who participated in the Recover Me um, uh, group here at Calvary Life, it's a group and it's really focused on helping women overcome difficult seasons of their life. And we're talking about expectations not met. We're talking about grief. We're talking about hope deferred in any area. I didn't want to label it a grief group because I think sometimes that limits your audience. But when you say everybody's been in transition, everybody's hope for something that didn't come to pass, so let's say recover me. But the difference about dark experiences is, 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 is more than having a hard time. Because those dark experiences, as I like to call them, darkwood experiences, and we'll get to that in a second, they're those experiences that take, it sort of knocks the wind out of you. It's those experiences where you're so blinded that you, you've lost your way. Amen? Have you ever been punched in the gut by life? And, and you're just like, whoa, this wasn't the plan. This, this, this wasn't the plan. I, was, I was, thought I was doing well. I thought I was planting good seed. And all of a sudden, life happened. So darkwood experiences are the disappointments that happen on your journey. We all have them. Some of them are, are devastating. Some of them are sicknesses. Some of them are marriage disappointments, hope deferred. When your heart is aching, anything that leaves your heart aching, I think about a very personal story to me. My cousin recently died. 
literally of a broken heart. He was tall. He was dark. He was handsome. He was a millionaire. He had it all. He was in L.A. He was acting. But he died of a broken heart. That can happen. That can happen. There's a medical condition that talks about certain levels of inflammation. He was vegan. He jogged every day. But if you don't deal with the brokenness, you can stuff it. And there could be inflammation of your heart. There can be spiritual inflammation of your heart. It's, no one can see it. it. It's your aim. It drives you. So you're doing a good thing for a friend. But when they don't respond the way you want them to respond, it hurts. Because you're looking for affirmation. You're looking for some sign of success. And your heart can be broken. And he was grieved because his son had committed suicide three years prior. And he said, I have, he said, Yolanda, I have all this money and I can't get him into treatment. I can't make him do what I want him to do. I raised him, my other kids came out great, but, but why is this so different? And secretly he was smiling at family reunions, he was doing things, but his heart secretly was inflamed. It was hurting. Can you bring those dark wood experiences to Jesus? You can't handle it. You may look fine, but it spills out. And so you begin to put expectations, you begin to uh, project expectations on things that are not meant to fill it. Pastor G talks about an emptiness. And before he met me, his life was so bad. Um, <laughs> And even I couldn't fill that void. He was saved because he joined a member. He participated in a membership class. He taught basketball at the church. He was just, just sad. And I thank God for bringing me into his life. Um, I know he expected good things, but he didn't know there were going to be great things. Um, I, And that's awesome, because God is just so gracious. Um, to us, amen. And so, and so there's this poet, there's this poet, Dante Algieri, and I love the way he describes a dark wood. He says, in the middle of my journey of life, I came to myself within a dark wood where the straight way was lost. The straight way was lost. You're operating, you're doing the right things, go to work, go to church, do this, but you're angry inside. Your motives are kind of wrong. You're not really hoping like you used to hope. You're not really believing like you used to believe, but no one knows it because you say and do the right things, but your heart is far from it. Amen. And so it is hard to believe that the seed or the word will come back to us void when we're lost, right? We're scared. Sometimes we're just scared. We just, I, I want to trust God, but I, I don't know if, if it doesn't come to pass if I will really turn away from God. And so we just continue to go on and we don't check our hearts and we don't check our motives. 
And so here are three questions that I believe that God has given me because of my own Darkwood experiences. They're, they're those check-ins. And, and you can do it individually. You can have a mentor. But these are questions that guard against your heart being broken or staying broken and, and it infecting your seed. Amen? So great expectations, wrong motives, and intentions. The first question, what do I want? <laughs> what do I want? What do I want God to do for me? Examine those thoughts. What comes up for you when I said that just now? What do you want? Sometimes it may be this grand thing. Sometimes it's a basic thing. Some of us, we're just getting through the day. I want to get through the day without <laughs> cussing or strife. Sometimes it's a day-by-day -day thing. Sometimes it's a minute-by-minute thing. But what do you want? Say it. Disappointments can make you afraid to say what you want. What do you want? Say it to God. Say it to a mentor. Declare it. I want this. I want a partner. I want to be financially free. I want to have a ministry that touches the world. I want this. Say it. Because when you don't say it due to disappointments, you begin to repress it. And we all feel it. It's like, where did that come from? That was intense. I just said good morning. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> it was so funny. I was um, uh, driving from North Carolina to uh, Connecticut with a, uh, I think we we're going to Jersey. And I was with a friend, uh, and, and she had never been to that area. And so she's like, well, you're nice, and I have family from New York and New Jersey. I think that's a myth, that you guys are cold and mean. And so I said, okay, we didn't get to the toll booth yet. Uh, you keep that thought. And it was so funny, she, she pulled up, and at the, at the beginning of the Jersey Turnpike, they give you this ticket so you can cross the George Washington Bridge. And so Michon says, okay, hi, how are you? And there's this tall, beautiful lady, middle-aged, she was probably about uh, maybe like 60, 62 years old, and uh, she was, I guess, of Caribbean, African descent, and um, Michon says, how are you? And she said, giving her her ticket, I didn't think I would be here at 62, divorced, working at a toll booth. You have a good day, baby. <laughs> what? And Michonne didn't know what to say. I said, that's why we don't ask people how they're doing. That's why we don't say hi. Because they will tell you in the Northeast, they will tell you they are not blessed and highly favored. They will tell you what it is. So I told you don't ask. You had great expectations that the North and the South would unite. But <laughs> it's not happening. <laughs> she wasn't prepared. I mean, she was quiet for the next hour. She's like, poor lady. And I'm like, it's not a poor lady. That's her truth. This is not what I expected for my life. We can't handle the truth. That sounded good. I always want to say that. Yeah. You can't handle the truth. 
but that was her truth. She didn't really want to know how she was doing. She wanted her to say, have a good trip. I'm doing fine. Here you go. She told you how she was doing. We can't handle the truth. That's why we can't speak the truth. What do I want? That's the first question. And number two, what are my motives? When God spoke to me about that word um, this week, I began to pray differently that for the rest of the week. I began to not just automatic, because my automatic default is to help people. I'm a giver, so I got to be careful with that. I'm a giver. I'm, I always want to help. So I'm learning a little bit of more in restraints in that area, you know. Um, but it was just so amazing how it changed my prayer life because what are my motives, Lord? I want to do this great thing. I want this to happen for the church. I'm believing for this victory in my sister's marriage, but what are my motives in this? Because we don't even ask the question. Emotions came up, insecurities. What am I trying to cover by this good work? Just asking the question. It took so much pressure off of me and God began to show me areas and pockets where he wanted to heal in my life. What's my aim? Do I have a secondary uh, goal, a secondary expectation in doing this? Make sure your motives are pure. And, 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 and they told me that I couldn't do it, so I'm going to do it. That shouldn't drive you. That shouldn't drive you. I understand the thinking of not letting people affect you, but nothing should drive you but doing the will of God. Amen? And the last question, what are the negative behaviors that need to be submitted today? What are my negative behaviors that need to be seated, see, um, submitted to God that day, just for the day? Because it's like a daily dying. You know, Pastor G talking about die better. Last week, you got to hear that message if you didn't listen to it. But he talked about daily. Lord, give me your daily bread. Give me what I need. See, the worst type of pride is not praying. The worst type of God, I'm not talking about religious praying a certain way, a certain time. But when you don't pray, you're not considering what God thinks about your heart, your motives, or anything that you're doing. It can't be blessed because you're not submitting your thoughts and your behaviors and your intentions to God. And that's a bold statement, but it's true. Your heart, Jesus, many times in the, and, and where he said, their hearts are not for me. Look at them. They're, they're praying. They're fasting. They're so pious. They're, they're, no, Jesus said, no, 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 no. Their hearts are wrong. It looks like they're pious. But their hearts are wrong. So ask those questions. What do I want, Lord? Examine my thoughts. And, and really pay attention to what comes up for you. Because that truth will set you free, right? Number two, what are my motives? What are the insecurities I'm trying to cover? Um, those motives are seeds that grow into intentions, right? What is my aim, my hidden expectations? And number three, what are my negative behaviors that need to be submitted today? You know, certain behaviors, at first, they become isolated events. You know, they become isolated events. You know, I cheated on my taxes once. I didn't, but I cheated on my taxes once. Now it's a habit, right? It, you know, it's like, okay, I drank 
you know, every day this week and is that a sin? But now it's two drinks and now it's three drinks and now it's four drinks. What behaviors are now becoming patterns? That's what I'm talking about. Because sometimes for me, there were negative behaviors that I didn't even call negative behaviors. I just called, you know, I'm just human. God's grace is sufficient for me. Ask that bold question. And what you will find is not condemnation. It's a loving father who's saying, sit down. I'm going to talk to you about where this came from and how I'm going to heal it. But you came to me. You drew near to me, so I am going to draw near to you. There were sins in my life before when, when I was younger that I could not stop on my own. But it was really crying out one day, just busted, disgusted, and saying, God, help me. Take this from me. And then the presence of God came. Oh, you need help. Yes. Pride, not bringing these issues to God, is what will hinder us. Now, how would you respond to Jesus today? He has so much compassion for you. Jesus said, forgive them for they know not what. When he was on the cross, he said that because he knew that they didn't know. He was so gracious and he understood the call of God on his life. We talk about Judas like a dog, don't we? But Judas was part of the plan. He knew. He knows what's in your heart. He knows what happened to you that led your heart to be broken. He wants to heal every part of you so your expectations can be pure. You wouldn't have to wonder and question if it's the will of God when your, heart's, your heart is pure. I love it. When you draw near to him, he shows you. His desires become your desires. And there were times in my life where I was praying for this grandiose thing. And Jesus said, no, babe, that, I put that in there. That's me. Because I had a negative aim and a negative view of myself and came from an environment that said, oh, that's too big. You're praying too big. Just be thankful. Right? And so your desires will become the desires of God. Great expectations. Jesus showed up on a donkey to the holy city, and he will show up for you. Let him search your heart. Would you let him search your heart today? Will you let him search your heart Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, even when you don't want to talk to him? Sometimes, literally, I have prayers in my journal. It's like, I'm here, Lord, help me. I'm just crying today. Help me. And he's saying, you're in my presence, daughter. Just you coming is an act of faith. And I'm pleased. But the moment I begin to turn away, my heart becomes infected and it becomes inflamed. Before I, I, I close, I really want to say this. I have a few words on gratitude because I've seen real talk how gratitude preserved my heart. Oh, man. We can have great expectations and contentment. They, could, they can exist. They're not mutually exclusive. 
You can have a contentment and a gratitude for your life and still have great expectations. They're not mutually exclusive. Especially women, we have that, you know, your place, not asking for too much, just be happy you're in a room. And even men, men have been destroyed. You know, I really find that those early childhood formative experiences that men have shape them. And so with that happening to them and with how God created men to produce, that's a toxic combination sometimes. So we have to go back to heal those early developmental wounds so we can make sure our heart is pure, right? Because God created us to produce and God created men to lead their families, but you don't have men leading families. You have boys over and over leading their family. You have young, hurt boys leading their family. We go, well, why, why is he so, why is he struggling? And it's like, there's compassion. He never got healed. And so that heart, shine a light on that heart and let God take the inflammation away. Amen. So a few thoughts on gratitude. It's the secret weapon to ensure that our intentions, our motives, and thoughts are pure. Giving thanks. How about that? Just giving thanks. Some days I just have to be thankful because I don't know what to pray. <laughs> so let's just turn it into a grateful Wednesday. Amen. <laughs> because stuff is happening and I just don't know. And, and, and I just want to be grateful. So gratitude gives you the perspective, that 500 foot, that big perspective, and, and it helps you to be mindful of that. Contentment is not a thief of great expectations. It is a fuel to it. It is a fuel to it. Contentment is not a thief of great expectations. It is a fuel to it. It ensures that you don't compromise your heart for your harvest. Oh my goodness. Don't compromise your heart for your harvest. You can have it all. You can have it all. You know how people get to that certain place and they're empty? I don't want that. I, I know lots of lonely, wealthy people. And, and I, I'm glad I had that vision because it's, it's that thing. They thought that next level, they thought that next level would do it. And it's like, mm, you changed wives three times. The yacht didn't do it. The promotion didn't do it. The plastic surgery didn't do it. New church didn't do it. New boyfriend didn't do it. Because you got to deal with the heart. Because we don't know it. And there's a world of wickedness in there. That if we don't give it to God... We would struggle. Stand to your feet. We hope this message was impactful to you. If you would like to hear more, please remember to subscribe. For more information, you can visit our pages on both Facebook and Instagram. God bless you and have a great rest of the week.